This is the best, 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 best practices in education and Odyssey School podcast. Let's fly away in a cloud. This podcast aims to offer professional resources, practical tools, and inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education. And the trees are rainbow, and you'll see the corn every now and then because that's not weird at all. Welcome to Episode 5 of Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. I'm Corey Adams, and I'll be your host this week. Today, we're spending time with one of Odyssey's founders. Kalyan Volpe. Kalyan came to teaching after a series of adventures, including traveling and living in Japan and considering monkhood in Nicaragua. When he visited a Long Island alternative elementary school, Kalyan was so enraptured by the joy and excitement of the students he met there that his life goals shifted from a devotional life to a vocational one. His passionate work in alternative education centers on helping children discover and honor their inherent brilliant selves while learning to use those gifts within the context of community. Kalyan has a BA in political science from the University of Connecticut and an MA in education from Goddard College in Vermont, where his master's thesis focused on the design of holistic elementary schools. After working as a lead teacher in a school in Fukuoka, Japan, and a head teacher at the Progressive School of Long Island in Merrick, New York, Kalyan began his work at Odyssey. Kalyan, thank you for joining us on Best Practices today. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So can you share a little bit? I know um, the topic of spirituality and education is near and dear to your heart. Can you share a little bit about your vision and philosophy surrounding that? Yeah, I think uh, when I fell in love with teaching, it was because I visited a school where I saw the children joyful and wanting to come to school. And I spent quite a bit of time observing at that school because I wanted to know why. So this was different from what I've seen in other schools and from my own experience at school. And what I found was that this was a school like Odyssey that nurtured who they were as people and really allowed them to grow and to become the people they kind of were inherently already. So I wanted to know, wow, how is that happening and what's the magic there? Um, And what I found was that it was a spiritual approach to education that really allowed that blossoming. Yeah, so you work from a multiple intelligence framework in the classroom. And at Odyssey, we recognize that spirituality is really one of the strands that we all share as humans. So can you tell us how you define the spiritual strand? Yeah, I think the spiritual strand for kids, when they hear the word, can be a little confusing. They think of it as religion or how can I meditate. For me, the spiritual strand is really the knowing and the discovering of the kid's own selves. And that's very personal work to each child, and it's different because each child is unique. So for the spiritual strand, it's about creating space and experiences for kids to grow into who they are and to explore that world. Um, Yeah. 
So you, it sounds like you aren't actually just talking about, say, kids sit, seated in meditation. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's part of it. And But what I say to the kids is this is just working a muscle. So if you're going to become a strong writer, you need to write. And if you're going to become a strong athlete, you need to exercise and work those skills. And if you're going to become somebody who can know who they are, that you practice looking inside. But that's just one element of their spiritual growth. Can you talk a little about a lesson that illustrates the principles you're talking about? Yeah, so uh, this is a lesson that I developed originally for fifth graders back in Long Island and have used it at Odyssey multiple times. And it's a lesson that when I meet students five, ten years later, they still say, I remember that. (laughs) And that's why I know it's magical. Um, It's an intense lesson because it actually is a reenactment of Hitler's rise to power in Nazi Germany. Uh, Wow. Yeah. So the kids don't know that. They just think we're playing a game. So that's how it's introduced that we're going to play a game today instead of having normal class. So what they do is they're each given a color and they have a certain amount of points to start with and they can work, quote unquote, work to make more points and they can elect a leader and that a leader allows them to either work more or gain more points. And uh, it's really set up to look at pre-war Nazi Germany and the way it's set up, the kids always end up electing um, Purple, who is representing Hitler. And then as the lesson progresses, um, they're working and Hitler starts to pass laws that are really targeting one group. So Purple will target Red with different rules. And the other students are benefited by joining purple. They become uh-huh. browns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, and I'm curious, how much is the instructor at that point engaging? So is it something that once the game is set into play, the students are kind of enacting the rules until conclusion? Is that what it looks like? Yeah, so I think one of the critical things about this game is you have to have a strong connection with your students. They have to feel that they're in a safe environment. So my role then is really to guide. I'm often guiding purple in order to have them be a little more restrictive and almost cruel to reds because it's not part of a student's heart to do that. Mm -hmm. So they have to be kind of nudged in that direction. Purple's the only one who knows what's happening, and I'm like, okay, you made a deal. Don't blow my lesson now. (laughs) So... Um, and then I'm just keeping things kind of, I'm the, the overpresence in the classroom to make sure things don't get out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another teacher in a safe room in another room so that if things get too intense, um, then they're aware of what's happening and the child can go there and everything can be explained and they can be comforted. Yeah, and I would imagine that there is a debrief time. So there's actually the experience of the game. And then do you debrief right after or do you leave space between? And what does that conversation look like? Are there sort of leading questions that you might use with students? So that's the magic of the lesson. And that's really why I bring it in and talk about it as a spiritual lesson, because the debrief and the reflection is where the real work gets done. And that's where the real growth happens, because kids 
Then we do it immediately after the lesson, and then we also follow up with a writing exercise, and then once things have settled a little bit, we follow up one or two days later again. So it's a long process because there's a lot of learning about themselves that go on. Kids look at how they acted. Many kids acted in a way that they're not proud of because the game kind of moves them in that direction. Other kids are have anger that they need to process. And so, yes, it's, a, it's very rich in terms of kids looking at what they did and their own motivations and how they felt about things. So yeah, the, the debrief is more important than the actual activity. Yeah, that does sound intense. And I'm, I'm curious about how that kind of lesson is placed within the broader context of the classroom culture that you would be creating. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so Odyssey is a holistic school, which means we're attending to all aspects of our students. And the only way that works is to have small class sizes or the ability and the ability for teachers to really form relationships with their students. And that happens during lessons, but almost more importantly, at lunch, being with the students at recess. It happens during class meetings when we're talking about and problem solving our classroom. It's not a top-down approach. It's a, an us approach. It's a group, and we're creating a community, and we're purposefully creating a community where kids are emotionally safe and intellectually challenged and safe to be who they are and and nurtured to be who they are and to speak from their their true selves and to do that. So this kind of lesson does not work just parachuted into a classroom which is not that way. You have to have a relationship with the students where they trust you and they understand that what you're doing is helping them. Right. So there's a certain amount of vulnerability in being able to go into the space of reflection that I hear for this kind of lesson of students saying um, as they look inwardly like, oh, this is how I acted and why I acted that way. And then what do I think or feel about that? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Reflection is pretty much the key, um, I think, to spiritual growth and spirituality and education. It's learning to reflect, so that becomes a habit that kids will then take forward throughout their lives. And it's something that allows them, if we're trying to have kids be their authentic selves and discover that, part of that is creating like a magical space for them where influences from the outside are hedged and they're free to really grow from within and to look within. So it's almost the school creates that magic or, or sacred space, and, and that allows that growth to happen. Mm-hmm. And, it, and just returning back to one of the first experiences you talked about, it sounds like that watching that unfold in a classroom was one of the first things that really drew you to the path that you've taken. Yeah, that's absolutely right. To, to watch... When a child feels like they're going to school and they're not going something to some place where things are put upon them, but they're going to a place of, of freedom and a place of exploration and a place of where they can actively feel themselves growing on all levels, that's a rich and exciting place. When you have kids upset because they can't go to school because of a doctor's appointment or they're not feeling well, 
that's when you know you're really getting it right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So do you have any resources that you'd like to share with teachers out there who want to work on this kind of lesson? So I think I don't get my lessons from anywhere. I'm, what I do is I look at what I'm teaching in history, so I kind of use a framework of history and, okay, we're going to be studying, for example, maybe World War I, or we're going to be studying what happened in the 60s. And, and I look at that and I say, well, what kind of lessons and life questions and guiding questions can, do I want to bring to students to consider that kind of this history lends itself to? And then once I do that, then I think, what kind of experience can I set up for these kids, whether it's everybody plays a role and has tea together, or we're going to have put Christopher Columbus on trial, or any of these things. What experience can I create so that the kids are involved viscerally and intellectually and emotionally in what's going on in the classroom? And that's what allows them to really dig deep and have those kind of experiences. That's so beautiful. It's like you are helping history come alive for them. Yeah, that's the hope, that history isn't just a bunch of facts that, oh, we have to memorize this and what's going on. They actually can exist, and this happened in the world, and other people went through these experiences, and then they get to go through them. So it sounds like even for you yourself, you're going into the source material that you're using for the core subject in your class and then drawing out what about it can be inspirational and asking the students to really wrestle with that in a really deep way. Yeah, that's the idea. And not only do they wrestle with it and delve into history, but then we always purposely draw parallels to what's going on in the world around them. How does that relate to what you're experiencing in the classroom or at home or seeing in the society around you? So it's very much an active thing where they then take their perspectives and their learning and they apply it to what's going on in their life. Wow. That is such a deep and beautiful process that you're engaging with your students. And I want to just thank you, Kalyan, for spending time with us today and sharing about your journey as a teacher. Yeah, thank you so much. It's really uh, a blessing to be able to work with kids in this way. Please join us next week as we welcome another amazing teacher into the studio. This has been Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gargarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band. Let's fly away in a cloud. Odyssey.